All right, you've had you've had time to do research. Can you rebuff my rebuff my die? And the time you're actually referring to was uh, not a full day. It's, it's only a few <laughs> minutes. You've later. had 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. But um, no. So the website it took me to, and this was actually uh, I think it was Penn State Extension where this came up in 2013 All right. out of Montgomery County, and someone wanted to plant in their garden in Conshohocken. They wanted to plant plants they could use for plant dye, and um, and one of the plants that was listed as a suggestion for them was uh, was Heliopsis helianthoides, which uh, so someone's making a dye out of this. I don't know if it's like sunny yellow dye. I would assume it has something to do with yellow, but I'm waiting for not. someone to create it yeah. just to prove me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone's gonna go and build a build a website and like list this as a product on their website. Sunny yellow plant dye made from. You know what? I want the copyright yeah. for that because I made it up. Let's or we're going to have a Native Plants Healthy Planet tie-dye party this yeah, summer. Yeah. All right. Yes. All right. I'm in. All right. All right. What's our clues for today? Now, I'm going to say I'm looking at this and, you know. And, we, the, yeah, the first clue is going to be BS again? Is that no, what you're No, at? no, no, no. I just realized that as we started creating the fact sheets for this, I was much more thorough later on than mm-hmm. I was earlier. So this is one of the first ones that I did, and there's not a lot of information. Okay. So I'm hoping okay. – that the two of you are familiar with this plant and we can add more to this because there's not a not a lot here. Like I'm looking back. I'm like, oh, I should have went back to the first couple that I did and did some more research. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, so we're stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. It is an herbaceous forb. You see the theme here? Mm-hmm. Yes. We're yeah. three days into the – will I change it up? I don't know. This plant can get up to five foot tall. We'll see if uh, you yeah, agree. We'll see if, we'll see if you agree that's... with that. Um, although it is a facultative wet species, it can be finicky with the saturation. Mm-hmm. It is native to damp shores, meadows, and swamps. Okay. And there are your five clues. That's all Oh, five. wait, no, that's four. Yeah, that's... that's four. I tried to cheat. <laughs> it's native to most of the continental United States with the exception of the Pacific Northwest and just east of it. So it's that top little corner mm-hmm. of the country that it's I, – I think it's like – I, I want to say it's Oregon, Washington, Montana, mm-hmm. like maybe one more state that it's not And you not said native. it's a, a forb? It's an herbaceous, herbaceous forb. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't give you much. And we don't get a plant no. family on this. I'm no, because I started obvious. doing that later. Yeah. You know oh, what? Okay. If you want, I'll I'll look it up real fast maybe. I have an idea little... just because I know your history with this plant, and that's the only reason I'm thinking, all right, all right, I'm hold thinking on. of it. I think it's not native to that area. All right. Hold on. Let me, let me look at the family real fast. And this could really just crush my guess or not. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh... I have a guess. The family is Campanulaceae. I'm not familiar with that one. Um. So let me see if I can tell you what else is in it without uh, Campanula is in it. Um, I don't want to tell you the other one because it will give it away. I'm trying to see. I'm not really. Well, Campanula is in it. There you go. All right. Kelly, you said you had a guess. Oh, Do you know Campanula? If you know Campanula, yeah, all right, well, you might – it might help you. What's your guess, uh, Tom? Platyconon, which is balloon flower. 
Okay. Isn't it? If you know Platycodon. Oh, man. I'm, I'm completely lost on this one because um, I don't know that flower <laughs> either. The only the, the first thing that popped in my head, and then it doesn't make any sense the more I think about it, was Acris americanus just because of the native range. And I think that is a native to most of the country when I'm thinking of the map except that area. I don't picture but, that getting that tall. I, I think yeah. I think that's more two to three. Foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't your, was it your guess? I'm going to use it as my guess because I don't have a better. guess. All right. How about you, Kelly? Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess square stem monkey flower. Mm, I don't think that's native in New Jersey. Is it not native? I here? don't think so. it might be. If it is, it's it's more like I think Pennsylvania. I don't yeah. know. If, Thought it was native at least to the northern part of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you one more clue and see if it gives okay. it away. Ready? It has a bright red flower. Well, now I forgot all the other crews. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! I don't know if I want to play this game anymore. This is <laughs> this is getting to be no fun. Um. Uh, I know it. I can't. Come on! <laughs> Come on! It has a bright red flower. Uh, it's an herbaceous red columbine. Is it Lobelia cardinalis? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to really? give you the satisfaction. <laughs> I thought that did pretty well in saturated <laughs> yeah. soils. You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Welcome back to a native plant every day, or maybe we should just call it an argument every day. <laughs> I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And we are continuing with our special guest, Kelly Gill. Welcome. We're, we're halfway through the week, over halfway through Thanks the week. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. So well, so it can be really it, – it does well in saturated conditions, but what we have found over time is that – Say you were doing a shoreline restoration and you think of things that are saturated that you could put in a core lock mm-hmm. that is going to be right on the stream's edge. So maybe it's maybe it's wet, maybe it's not depending on the water flow. They were dying out very quickly in, oh. in core log situations um, mm. or just behind the core log. Like a lot of the the contractors that we were working with found that they had to go two or three foot behind to get the saturation level right where they were surviving. So you hear facultative wet. It's always found in a wetland. Let's put it here. But it can be a little finicky in some areas that, you know, it, it does prefer. Now, I'm sure someone's listening going, oh, I have it in standing water and it's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. You know, there's always instances yeah. of, of either or. But we've just heard from a multitude of, of landscape professionals or wetland scientists that, hey, maybe this one is mm-hmm. – can be a little touchy. My touchy. personal experience with it is it doesn't like to grow where I like to plant it. It yeah, likes to grow yes. in all these other places around there. It just doesn't grow exactly where I put it. It's it's been interesting that way. Yeah. So I could get I could see the finicky part of it. Yeah. You know, but this is a plant that we we mentioned when we were doing uh, uh, Penstemon digitalis that really it's a lot of like basal florets or rosettes mm. and and the height is coming from the stalk yep. like you get yep. that basal foliage you know i had an instance and i know we'll cover this i had it in my yard and after it bloomed and the stalks died off the plant died mm-hmm. like i got nothing and the stalks actually were taller than me so over 6 foot tall oh, oh wow um but there was it was basal rosettes you had the leaves on the stalks themselves mm-hmm. 
And then they bloomed, they finished, and then just yep. fell right over and died. And there was nothing left. Um, and but, I've seen that happen often, at, both in our seed farm and at home. I've seen that exact same scenario happen a lot. And it's just, you know, they're not a very long-lived plant, just like Penstemon. They they only live three to four years. So, But you'll start seeing the rosettes coming kind of close by. Like if you have a plant here, you may start seeing them within like a couple inches, a foot, more plants sprouting mm-hmm. up, which, which happened to me. Like even though that plant died within three inches of that, the new one was already starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's it, – I just really thought there's not too many at least for – we we grow personally here at Pinelands Nursery a lot of sun loving mm-hmm. herbaceous material. So when you and and wetland plant material. So when it comes to sun loving and wetland open areas, there's not yep. too many red flower. No, no, uh, yeah. Once you said red flower, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I know yeah, what it is. Yeah. But yeah, the the other things kind of yeah. completely threw me off. I was kind of shocked. Was, I really thought that lobelia would be a state flower to somewhere, and it's not. That is very interesting, especially having such a wide native range. That being said, I. I have a hunch that most of the state flowers are not actually native plants. Yes. So yes. Uh, if you if you made a requirement that a state flower had to be a native plant, I would assume someone would be picking that one up. I agree. I agree. But you mentioned the flower. Tell us a little bit about the flower. So it's, it's a bright red flower, and again, it's a stalk. So the plant itself is relatively small. Um, how would you describe that flower shape? It's would you, would you consider it not tubular? I'd almost say it's somewhat tubular. Somewhat tubular, it re- would you? resembles that, yeah. Okay, so it's like a tubular red flower that that mine, as soon as it bloomed, our neighbors started asking about it because it was covered with mm-hmm. hummingbirds yep. every day. Yeah. So hummingbirds, it's like a – it sends out its bat signal or hummingbird signal, like boop, boop, come, you know, it's time. <laughs> they so, love red, yep. Yeah, so it's very striking, more towards the top of the stalk, not – it's not – if it's a four foot stalk, it's not blooming mm-hmm. all four foot of it. It's like the top foot, yep. I would say. And it kind of they they open not all at once. It's kind of like from the top down. They'll slowly mm-hmm. open throughout the stalk. So you do get uh, a decent bloom time. Um, what, what would you say? Two weeks? Two weeks? Three weeks? I'd say two or three. See, this is all the stuff that I got better putting on here. Fortunately, this is a plant I know. So and then the leaves are dark green. I'd say medium to dark green leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're toothed and alternative, so that helps you at least if if you're seeing stalks and leaves, that should help at least with the identification process. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's, yep. Um, it, it's then that the greenness that it has, like Fran mentioned, is yeah. a little bit darker than a lot of the other perennials I've had in my yes, garden. Yeah, and um, so it sets itself apart even just from the plant at the. the Herbaceous part of it, yes. the, the leaves and stems, and then the flower obviously sets itself apart because it's completely different texture and and angle than most other flowers. Totally, um, and it is a summer bloom. So if you're looking at when it's going to bloom, it is uh, a typical uh, summer bloom. It does like full sun. It can take part shade. Um, you know, I've I've actually had it in my yard at the new property and the old property, and where it was was part shade, and it just it. You know, full sun, six foot, where I had it at my mm-hmm. old property, in part shade, it was maybe two to three foot. Mm-hmm. So totally, like, changed the the height difference. Yep. It was a much more yep. compact. Um, but I got a longer bloom set when it was in full sun than, mm-hmm. than I did when it was in part shade. So my favorite question, 
tell us how how wildlife use this plant. Kelly, would you like you 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 gave a big grin? Would you like to? Would you like to kick oh, in on this? Well, you already mentioned hummingbirds, which yes. is you know they really like those tubular flowers. Is it only pollinated by hummingbirds? I'm not sure. I, um, I had read that, but I wasn't. But mm-hmm. I, I thought I had heard that only pollinate that only hummingbirds can pollinate lobelia, but I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know how accurate that is. You would think other long-tongued insect, insects play a role as well. Yes. Um, the thing is, when I see it in the wild, I usually. You know, it's in a floodplain or somewhere, and there's mm-hmm. only one plant of it. And <laughs> yeah. it's like finding a treasure, you know. Yeah. You're like, oh, there it is, the striking red. Um, but there's only usually one plant. But, uh, you know, it has um, those tubular flowers that have those deep, deep nectaries. Mm-hmm. So things with long mouth parts um, are, are drawn to that plant. Awesome. So it's uh, native bees, uh, butterflies, other pollinating insects love this plant. Small butterflies like skippers, uh, pollinating flies, and beetles all seek the nectar and pollen from the flowers. Um, and several species of butterfly and moth lay their eggs on this plant uh, on the genus Lobelia. So not just uh, cardinal flower but blue Lobelia, mm-hmm. other Lobelias. Uh, they are, are liked by that. Um, I don't know if I have specifics. I don't have specifics down for this. But also slugs and snails like to eat the leaves. So mm-hmm. – you know, and we this is something that we've talked about on Native Plants Healthy Planet is just because something's eating the leaves doesn't mean that you have to start shouting danger, danger. So if, mm-hmm. if you have snails and slugs eating the leaves, that's okay unless they're killing yeah, the plant. They, they play a role in our ecosystem too. Yeah. Even if it's just providing food to other larger predators, um, that's something that they play their role in addition to other things that do. I'm trying to think of what else yeah. snails and slugs do. But it's but. it's good that something's eating eating it because it yeah. is toxic uh, to humans if you mm-hmm. eat in large quantities, and it is toxic to cats and dogs. And actually, it was uh, someone mentioned they had learned that from us on a Native Plants Healthy Planet mm-hmm. podcast, and they were going to put it somewhere that there were a lot of edibles, and they decided to remove it from yep. the garden because they were a little concerned that mm-hmm. people would get uh, confused and and want to eat that plant. So. Yeah. Um, I think the red flower should be a good color warning. Like if you see it's, you know, red is danger. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of plants that are red yeah. or animals that are red are doing that because they're trying to tell you, hey, this is yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I've actually seen with uh, cardinal flower in in regards to pollinators is one, the, all the hum, hummingbirds that come to it. And if you want hummingbirds in your yard and you live in its native range, that's something I definitely encourage. Absolutely. But two is uh, with honeybees. And they don't really pollinate it because they'll actually chew through the side of the flower and then suck out the nectar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when my brother said, oh, yeah, I've been seeing this a lot because we were having some issues with our, in our seed field again where uh, we weren't getting the pollination we needed. So we were getting a little bit of seed but not nearly as much as we thought we should. And it was because you had a lot of hun- uh, honeybees. Nectar robbing. Nectar robbing <laughs> these flowers and not pollinating. They were they were avoiding that because uh, they couldn't get in the, yeah. the normal way through the front door. So that's just something else that's interesting about that plant. So if you're if you're looking at putting this in your yard, um, it it makes a great standalone plant. But mm-hmm. you can mass it. It looks incredible in a small mass. Uh, or if you just want one specimen. I don't know if that you consider it a specimen, but it does get tall and give you some height with some red, but without taking up a lot of room. So if you have some tall things behind it, you kind of mm-hmm. get that that good uh, depth yep. uh, yeah. chart a little bit. Um, 
and it makes a good sub for purple loose strife. So if okay. you have yeah, uh, purple loose strife in your property, which is um, which is invasive, mm-hmm. you know you could use blue lobelia or red lobelia oh, yeah. as a substitute for that. So I, I I know that's a plant people are still selling. So yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to like one of the things I make a habit of when I go to people's houses is bringing native plants as a gift. Is there anything special about this plant to bring it as a gift? Because I, I do it already, but does it have any meaning behind yeah, it? Yeah, it does kind of – not so much as like love, but the red the red flower it makes a good cut flower, uh, and it kind of bestows a sense of dignity and distinction. So it's it's a very like formal – like you're, Yeah, you're kind of yeah. presenting – putting your best foot forward when you're giving Lobelia as a, as a cut flower gift. So are you going to be giving that as a – I might have. Well, I ha- already have. I've given the plants, not necessarily the flowers, but yeah. maybe I have to start giving out the flowers too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And then we're gonna go into our quiz, but I kind kind of overflowed a little bit. So one of the Native American uh, uses for um, Lobelia cardinalis, you know, even though it's toxic in large amounts, the Iroquois boiled the roots with chicory root and used the liquid to treat fever. So, given that. We are going to go into our next quiz, which is I'm going to give you five facts, one of which is false. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I should say five statements, four of which are factual, one okay. of which is false. Have you – has that – all right. What's – have we been keeping track? How have you been – Oh, we've been getting stumped this week. All right. I think yeah. I'm going to – I got the, the – I got plant the plant right on day one, and then I've been 0 for since. It is amazing yeah. that if I just do a little bit pr- – a little bit of prep before we do this that I can stump you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can get you again today. Uh, the Iroquois also mashed the roots, stems, leaves, and flowers together to treat cramps. Mm-hmm. A tea made from the leaves is used in the treatment of croup, nosebleeds, colds, fevers, and headaches. Okay. There are always an odd number of flowers on each lobelia stalk. Okay. Um, the Pawnee used cardinal flower roots and flowers as a love charm. Mm-hmm. And legend states cardinal flower is named for the long red robes worn by the leaders of the Catholic Church. Okay. And I, I've heard that before. So there was a. Uh... I think it was your third clue. All right. What was that one again? Uh, I'm trying to remember which order because I didn't read them Uh-oh. in order. I think <laughs> the first one was the Iroquois mashed the root stems and leaves and flowers together to treat cramps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second was... It, was. it was another one about the Iroquois and it was sort of for cold and fevers. Um, yes. Oh, uh, a tea is made from the leaves is used in the treatment of croup, nosebleeds, mm-hmm. colds, fevers, and headaches. There were always an odd number of flowers on each lobelia stalk. Yeah, that that, that one. Uh, I that just nature. I don't feel like that's nature's that precise. <laughs> so uh, come on, have you ever seen a nautilus with the Fibonacci <laughs> yeah. code? That's pretty precise. What's, come on. Yeah, what's that term that they use all the time? I can't remember what it is, but I like how everything adds up to certain things yeah, and all that, like a Fibonacci yeah. code. That's the Fibonacci yeah. code. Yeah. Yeah, come on. All right. That's what I'm going with. You're going with the the odd number. Kelly? I need to get like a thinking. The first first one was like a little intriguing too because that – look, if there's that many medicinal uses, but I I 
found that those tend to be accurate. All right. I'm I'm going to say the just to maybe pick something different than Tom. Okay. I'm going to go with the Pawnee Love Charm as The well. Pawnee Love Charm. All right, Kelly went with the Pawnee Use Cardinal Flower Roots and Flowers as a Love Charm. Ah. And Tom went with there are always an odd number of flowers on each lobelia stalk. Oh. You got it. I was trying yeah. to – I should have just agreed with you, Tom, <laughs> yeah. instead of trying to make it interesting. Well, we yeah, took, we took our chances to, to see – we were spreading ourselves out a little bit, yeah. I yeah. think, is the, the strategy That's there. what I was going yeah. You know, yeah. I, I maybe I, I overthought that one. I, I tried to give – there's a lot of Native American mm-hmm. uses on this. Let me give something that sounds factual that yeah. maybe is in another direction yeah. without it standing out too much, but it, it probably stood out too much. Well, I was just – realistically, I'm like – are people going around and counting all these lobelia flowers <laughs> on every plant? Man, this one had 19, and this one had 21, and this one had 13. And Now someone has to do yeah. it. Maybe it's true. Yeah. That, see, no, see that's what maybe I need to come out and say this yeah. is true. And it will all depend on the day you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, so. Okay. All right. So the biggest uh, – we've kind of already talked about this. Are you putting it in your yard? I have it in my yard. Okay. I have it in my garden, um, and I love it. It just it doesn't it doesn't grow where I want it to grow, and it's because it's short lived, and uh, and I kind of knew this going, and it was just kind of well we have so, I have some plants, let me put them in. I know they're probably not going to keep coming back, but I went from like twenty to maybe ten to three last year, so I was hoping maybe they'd reseed a little bit, but it doesn't look like they're in their forever home. They're they're transitioning out, but that's okay. I'd rather have a plant that figures out where it wants to be. Then just disappear. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, how about you, Kelly? I have blue lobelia in my yard. Right. I, you know, I have a small kind of urban lot, so um, I feel that's a little more versatile um, with the conditions I have. Yeah. I don't have uh, red lobelia, but if I, right. I thought it would grow well in my yard, I certainly would put that striking red flower mm-hmm. there. And I've mentioned I've had it on both of my properties, and yep. um, you know, we'll see if it comes back. Next year after it, it fell over, I know there mm-hmm. was a new plant, but I'm curious to see once the weather breaks. Yeah. We'll have to touch back oh, yeah. on that at some point. So, all right, we're almost through the week. We have one more episode left, and we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey everyone, this is Fran and Tom, and we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native. <laughs>